0: It, it, it becomes frustrating, if you will, week in and week out to have plans to move forward as a church and to continue to to face the situations that we face and to realize that removing the mask is impossible at this time based on what's going on in our community for the safety and well-being. I realize that the masks are not foolproof, but they are proven to be the most effective measure that we have for everyone to have them on, so I'm very thankful We're able to move forward anyway. We have junior church this morning. We've been very concerned about 18 weeks of our children not getting it. So junior church is in the back, first through fifth grade. So we're not able to do nursery just yet. Um, That will come. But we can't really navigate those waters with the mask on. But we do have junior church. If any of you here have your first through fifth grader, maybe if you're visiting and have a first through fifth grader, there's someone in the foyer that will help you get them there, get them signed in. If you've got one here, you want to take them on back. Same as always, you have to take them back, sign them in. Also today, Emerge, you guys in here, focus. If y'all want to get up, Jason, Brandon, if you guys want to come on, emerge is going to have the regular sunday morning next door we've been doing that for quite some time we have middle school services but one of the things that we're doing new is for focus you guys haven't had your wednesday nights you haven't had your sunday school and so what we are going to do is get our high school group focuses our ninth through twelfth get those guys back together so if you want to all of you just go ahead and gather up if you happen to be be visiting you're in any one of those age groups you're welcome to go join them but but it's just an opportunity. We looked at maybe even doing Sunday school on Wednesday nights. We looked at a number of things to try to plug back in and get back to reaching our young adults. So good to have them. We we chose this Sunday morning on purpose. I know it's a holiday weekend, but to be honest, we knew the numbers would be down with the holiday and vacations and people traveling and you call it cheating, if you will, but with the numbers being down, we were kind of looking for a soft start. We didn't want to try to start with 50 and learn our way through it. We're still trying to... To navigate through some of these times so we were looking for a little bit smaller numbers but I'm thrilled to death to be able to be moving forward and get our young people back in into their services amen um, but I do feel like God has something special for us this morning <laughs> and yes ma'am it's all about prayer it's all about prayer prayer is all we got but it's also all we need but this morning we're gonna spend a little bit, bit, bit of time talking here about it. if you want to turn in your Bibles We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read a passage this morning from chapter number 3. I want to talk for just a little bit this morning. I want to spend a few minutes looking at the high cost of freedom. Freedom comes with a price tag. It's an extremely high price tag. It is an extremely expensive thought. The High Cost of Freedom, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But in their mind, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remained the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, Which veil is done away in Christ? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed to the same image from glory to glory. Even as by the spirit of the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a teaching. Thank you, God, for this body of believers called Faith Baptist Church. God, I thank you for every soul represented here today. I pray, God, you'd bless each and every family, God. Lord, I pray you'd bless as we continue to try to get through times, God. I pray you'd give us guidance and wisdom. None of this has caught you by surprise, God. I can only imagine that you're sitting there looking, God, to see how we'll handle this. There's only one way we can handle it, and that's seeking your face, because you're the only one that knows the way through it, God. Lord, we've never stood in the fire alone, and I know right now as we walk in these times, there is a fourth man in the fire, and his name is Jesus. And God, I pray right now, will you move in this place this morning? I ask you to move on the airways for those, wherever they may be, that are tuned in, God, that your word would speak to us. Help us, God, to be a better servant. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Verse number 14, Paul says that their minds were blinded. (laughs) Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of Israel, the, the one that had been prophesied to them throughout the Old Testament, has come, walked among them, done many miracles before them, but they missed it. Their minds, their eyes, their hearts, we're blinded to the truth of Jesus Christ. Today in America we face the same horrible situation. Many eyes and minds and hearts are blinded to the truth. John chapter twelve, verse thirty eight says that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah again said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Verse number forty-three, John chapter twelve, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. We, we live in a world that is turning further and further away from God every single day. Every time you get up, every time you turn on the news, every time you go to town, every time you open your eyes in the morning, we are getting further and further away from God. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4. He said that the God of this world has blinded their minds. Paul relates here in the text to those of the Jews, those who had seen Christ. They had seen the promise to the fulfillment of the prophecy, yet their hearts remained covered with a veil that they could not see the truth. They remained separated from God but the Jew in the day of Paul or the lost person in July of 2020 is in the exact same spot on the day that they trust Jesus Christ he will remove the blinders he will remove the veil that they might see Christ that they might see the goodness that they might see the need that they see the price that has been paid verse number 17 here he says That the Spirit of the Lord changes us. It gives us a liberty like we've never known. The Greek word used there for liberty in verse number 17. I won't even try to pronounce it or you would really have a good laugh. But it simply means freedom. The the spirit of this world, the spirit of legalism and all that's going on today, all of that brings death. But it is the Spirit of the Lord that gives us life. It is the spirit of the Lord that lives in us that gives us joy this morning in spite of all that's going on. The reason you're here this morning is because you love the Lord. There's a spirit of joy in you. There's a spirit of happiness in you. Does it make sense? No, you look around, you look at everything going on. Does it make sense to be happy? No, it doesn't, but I am ecstatic because the worst thing that can happen to me is to die and step into eternity with my Savior. The best thing that can happen is for the trumpet to sound and Jesus step out and call us all home. It's not a time to be worried. It's a time to be praying. The Spirit of the Lord gives us life. Verse number 18 says, Not only are we given freedom, But we're given a a new life and we're given a new look. Just like the moon reflects the sun, it is a reflection. The moon has no light of its own. There's nothing in the moon that can shine. But just like the moon, it shines brightly because it reflects the sun. Those of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we're nothing but a reflection of his light. There's nothing good in us. There's nothing good in anyone. There's nothing that shines in us. It is a reflection of the one who has saved us. It is a reflection of the one who has redeemed us. Not only are we given a freedom, but we have this this new life. The United States of America is a country that is founded on the principles of the word of God. I don't care what the liberal has to say. I don't care what the lying world has to say. I don't care those who are standing in opposition to the church and the things of the word of God have to say, you're wrong. This country was founded on this book. This country was founded on the word of God. And Psalm chapter 33, verse number 12 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. This is the nation that has been blessed for more than 200 years by the hand of God. September 20 or, or, or September of 1620. A merchant ship called the Mayflower set sail from Plymouth, a southern port there in England. It wasn't the first time the Mayflower had sailed. It was a ship that sailed frequently. It was an older ship. It normally would have been carrying wines and dry goods. It would have been carrying supplies. But on this particular day, it set sail with, with 102 people on board. 102 people that were looking for a new way of life. They were looking for freedom that didn't exist. They were looking for something different on the other side of the Atlantic. Wars to protect the freedom that they had began as early as July 4th, 1675. To date, America has been involved in 35 wars to protect freedom. Every war that this country has ever fought in has been to defend or to establish freedom for somebody. More than 1.1 million American soldiers have lost their lives in an effort to defend freedom around the world. 1.1 million lives is the cost that it has taken so far for you and I to sit right here. Nearly half of that 1.1 million died in the Civil War. Nearly half of them died in a war, brother against brother. The the deadliest battle ever fought on American soil was the battle at Gettysburg. 7,000 brothers, brothers against brother, Union and Confederate soldiers, 7,000 of them lay dead at the end of that battle. It was a battle to establish freedom in this country, to to set freedom as a priority. The deadliest battle that has ever been fought by the United States of America was the battle of the Argonne Forest. We had nearly a million soldiers involved in that in World War I. It was the great offensive by the American army. It was the offensive that set in motion the end of World War I. They moved forward to bring in, to bring closure, and they did, and we, and we won at World War I, but it cost 26,000 Americans their lives that day on that battle. 116,516 brave American soldiers died, during World War I. Where you at, Mr. Al? You remember December 7th, 1941? Remember it well, don't you? A day when the United States was maliciously and intentionally attacked by the Japanese Empire at Pearl Harbor. Mr. Al was there. He was there at Pearl Harbor that day. Our our people were there. It was a time of peace for us. We had our ships anchored in the bay. We had our warplanes tied down on the ground. We were sitting in a time of peace. Everything that America was doing that day was to establish peace and to make a great show of peace. 2,403 Americans died that day. 1,178 more seriously wounded that day. By the time it was all said and done... Over 405,399 American soldiers had lost their lives in World War II. But when it was all said and done, thanks to them and the many who survived, freedom stood strong once again. There's a high cost for freedom. Freedom. The war of Vietnam, ninety thousand two hundred and twenty American soldiers lost their lives fighting for freedom for a people they didn't even know. Called names for doing what they were called to do. But they went and they fought for freedom. More recently, 6,852 have died in the global war on terror. The battle for freedom in human lives continues every day, but those fighting the wars out there are fewer and fewer. You heard me say in the Battle of Argonne Forest, we had nearly a million soldiers involved in that battle. Over 12% of the American population was in the military back in World War II. Today, out of 331 million people, we have just over a million in the military. That's less than 1%. The number has greatly decreased in those that are fighting for the freedoms, but the intensity of the battle will never decrease. We all come from different places in America. We come... From all around the world. We come from all different nations, all different colors, all different languages. We, we all come, but, but we come with a common goal. We, we're all here. Many are here. Many of us had, had God's blessing to be born here. But, but many come in search of a better place. Whether born here or moved to here, we all look for the same thing. We are all in search of the American dream. That's what it's called around the world. People come in search of the American dream. When the Mayflower set sail, the 102 souls that was on board that ship, they were coming here looking for a land where they'd be free to worship God, and no one would forbid that. They set sail coming looking for a land where they would be free to pray, and no one would forbid that. They came looking for an opportunity to be able to sit in a church building and worship God openly and praise the risen Savior, and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one could forbid that. That, that was the American dream. It had nothing to do with with nice cars it had nothing to do with bigger bank accounts it had nothing to do with nicer houses they came to a land with nothing they came to a land of dirt there was no money to be made there were no houses to be bought there were no cars to be driven better horses didn't exist they came in search of freedom they came looking for a place where they could worship a risen savior they came looking to worship god and never have that taken away Today, we don't have prayer in schools anymore. It's been taken out. Many of the sports have already, and some are now, taking out public prayer before the sports, before it begins. They're no longer praying for the athletes to be protected during the event. They, they, sometimes Some of them have, have optioned off to a quiet time. So that people may, may give reverence to the unknown gods of the world. But they don't want to offend anybody. I'm sorry, but it's time to offend some people. If they don't know Jesus Christ, they need to hear about Jesus Christ. If they don't know the way of salvation, they need to learn the way of salvation. If they don't know they're on their way to hell, somebody needs to tell them there's a way. You don't have to go to hell. There's a life, there's a price that's been paid in Jesus Christ. Is his name. They came to a land looking for freedom. Yesterday we celebrated Independence Day. We celebrated freedom while under authority to wear a mask to so many public places, even the church. We celebrated freedom yesterday, but the fireworks shows in most places were banned because they couldn't have public gatherings. We we celebrated freedom while walking through a social distancing order and can't even hug my brothers and sisters in Christ in the sanctuary. We celebrated freedom having just come off of a social, uh, of a shelter in place order and talks of going back. We celebrated a day of freedom where many cities just this week passed an ordinance that you cannot be seen in public without a mask on your face in many more cities and even states contemplating the possibility because of the outbreak of COVID-19. We celebrated freedom yesterday, but concerts and gathering and and praise celebrations were all banned, but yet riots were still taking place on the streets. We celebrate freedom while no organized sports have been able to play for several weeks, months. And those who are now trying to return to play, have to do so without any fans being allowed to participate. We look at history. We look at how many it has taken to give us freedom, but, but not, not, not just the freedom to come in here, but the ability to sit in here in total freedom. The ability to sit in here and love Jesus out loud. The ability to walk out on the street and love Jesus out loud. Yes. You heard the girl on the video? They told their neighbor about Jesus. Her husband killed her. Yes, Lord. And said, so when I find out who told her about Jesus, I'm going to kill them too. Yes. That's what they came from. We live in a land where we can love Jesus out loud. Yes. Our text says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We see freedoms vanishing. I can't help but wonder, is God withdrawing his hand back from a nation who has turned their back on him? Yes, Lord. What year was Roe versus Wade? I'm sorry, I'm not good at history. 72? Some of you older than me. What year was Roe versus Wade? Wasn't it early 70s? Okay, so nobody else knows either. I don't feel quite so bad. <laughs> I do know this. We've killed millions of innocent babies since that day. About five years ago, our federal government passes a law that no state can ban homosexual marriages. Yes. And we wonder why God would start pulling his hand back. We wonder why blessings would, would begin to disappear. I, I, I don't know. I, I just can't help but wonder is God with, withdrawing his hand. See see, liberties come and liberties can be taken away. We, we've seen that in our own lives here in the past few weeks. Freedoms come and freedoms go. We, we've, we've seen... That in, in our own land. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. We we see that throughout the Word of God. We see that in our history books, that no nation stands forever. But there is a liberty that we can never lose. There's a world that needs to know about it. There is a freedom that will never fail and a kingdom that'll never fall. The liberty is in Jesus Christ, the freedom is in the blood, and the kingdom is in the hand of the one that created it, and nothing can ever take it out of. John chapter 8, verse number 34, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. That person is a prisoner of sin. They, They are held captive by sin. They are bound by the chains of sin. Verse number 35, he says, The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. There is a freedom that can never be taken away. No matter what happens on this earth, no matter what happens in this life, there is a freedom that is secured in Christ. And nothing can take that from us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. I read it last week, but I can't help it. It is a promise. I can't help but read it again. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. I can't help but read that again. That is a promise that is coming. Nothing can take that away. Last Sunday morning I was down at the rock altar and just praying before services and things have been a little different. We haven't been having the 8:30 8:30 time for everybody to come because things are so different and opening up so most of the time it's just myself. But I went down about 40, 45 minutes at the rock altar and was just praying. Was praying for for the church, for for us. That that God would move, the services be blessed, that, that we would be given wisdom and, and direction, that the Spirit of God would move not only in here but but on the airways and and, and I was thinking about Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and I know uh, I've got to where I, I say it almost every week, but I, I can't help it. It's just at the forefront of my mind. I, I can't get past if my people, which are called by my name, I can't get past that. It's talking to Christians. It's talking to you and I. It may have been written a long time ago, and it may be in the Old Testament, but it is the truth of the Scriptures for such a time as this. It was recorded and handed for today. It is the only answer. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. and Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. But then he says I will heal their land. It is the only thing we have today. It is for God's children to turn. And I was sitting there thinking. How many would have to pray? How many would it take? How many of us would have to seek His face? How many Christians would have to fall on our face before God? God, how many would it take? I begin thinking about Abraham and the story in Genesis chapter 18 where the two angels, God sent them down to destroy the city of Sodom. Sodom is going to be destroyed because of their wickedness, their sodomy, they're killing babies. They were going to be destroyed and God sent these two angels down, but he sent them by Abraham's house first. Then Abraham, meeting him, he killed an animal, prepared a meal, they had dinner together. And and then in verse number 16 of Genesis chapter 18, the Bible says that the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. The Lord said, Because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come up unto me, and if not, I will know. The men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall thou not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I'll spare all the place for their sakes. Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? He said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. He spake unto me yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, I'll not do it for forty's sake. He said unto him, O let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there shall be 30 found there. And he said, I'll not do it if I find 30 there. Verse number 31, he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. But then Abraham plays the last card in his hand. Because he thinks he's got a good card right here. He thinks he has a card that will win the hand right here. He said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. He said, I'll not destroy it for ten's sake. The Lord went his way, and as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. See, Abraham bargained with God that God would not destroy the city of Sodom because his nephew lived there. And all of his family lived there. And here's what Abraham knows. If my nephew has taken care of his own house, there's more than ten. If my nephew has taught his own household to fear the Lord, the entire city will be saved. But we know the story. Lot hadn't taken care of his own household. His own children. He had not held under the rule of God's authority. His own children had not been brought up. Therefore, it was destroyed. So I I was there. I was just wondering. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. But I wonder how many would it take. How many people Abraham was one. Because he had such a relationship with God, he had the ability to bargain with God. And he bargained all the way down to 10, but I, I know where it began that God said even for 50, He would spare them. Even for 50. And, and I wondered, how many will it take, God? How, how many Christians will have to get their prayer life right? How many of us would it take for you to once again remove this plague and restore the blessings that you have given to this land? How many Christians would it take? I sat last Sunday morning for about, I'll say 40, 45 minutes at the rock altar. You give me that first picture. This is the rock altar, those of you that don't know it, when you walk down and and get there. It's just the open in the woods, and that's the actual rock altar itself. So I was sitting there on it, and, and I felt like God showed me a picture. You see all of the leaves, and all the pine straw, and, and all of the sticks, and the, the stuff blankets the ground. It, it, everything is falling, and it's anywhere from one to two inches thick. It literally covers the ground. Let me see that next picture. It's a little closer up. You see all of the leaves. The, the ground is completely covered. There is an innumerable number of leaves and pine needles and stuff that blankets the ground. And, and that represents the people of the earth. It is an innumerable number. Certainly it could be counted, probably get somewhere in a ballpark, but probably no way to know the real number. It, it, the earth is covered by people. Just as the leaves and the pine straw... Covers the earth in this picture, but you see the sweet gum balls. Raise your hand if you see the sweet gum balls. Anybody know what a sweet gum ball is? If you don't, a sweet gum ball is the little black dots. Got little pointy things on them? those are sweet gum balls. It's like God said, "These are the Christians of the world, the little sweet gum balls." And as you see, the earth is blanketed by the leaves and the pine straw there's people everywhere that's the lost world that's lost and dying but if you look there are christians scattered all around the world there's no place in that picture that there's not a christian and what i begin to see by looking is at no point is there a leaf or a pine needle that is more than a foot away from a sweet gumball that means that every one of those in the world has some form of exposure to a christian that, that means that, that every one of those there has a responsibility to expose the light of the sun to all of the world that is around them. So I was looking, and there's probably hundreds of thousands to probably maybe even into the millions of, of leaves and pine straw and, and the people of the world that cover the earth. But, but if you really get to looking all out in there in that whole area, there, there's more than a thousand sweet gum balls. And, and those are the Christians in the earth that have the influence. So, so here was the deal. I said, God, I know it looks bad. I know that the Christians are heavily outnumbered. But look at the influence that we have. Look at the influence that we have on the world. There's nowhere in the picture that doesn't have a Christian. There's nowhere there that doesn't have an influence. If there's that many, if there's that many and we're praying... Wouldn't it change things? I shared this with Robin earlier this week. We were, we were praying and we were talking about some who need prayer. We were talking about the prayer list. And I shared part of this with her. And she said, have you shared that with anybody? And I said, no. Just the rock altar, there was three men down there Tuesday morning. We had the Tuesday morning prayer meeting. There was four of us total. I said, I, I shared a little bit with them. But I said, wouldn't that be enough? I mean, look at all the Christians. Wouldn't that be enough? And he said, look for the green ones. (laughs) The what? He said, look for the green ones. What green ones? Talking about a couple of weeds? Let me see the next picture. I found one. I kept looking, and (laughs) there was a green gum ball. And he said, those are your prayer warriors. You see all the Christians in the picture? They're not praying. You have one in that picture. I thought, so how many are there? So I got up, and I walked all over the prayer altar. Let me see the next picture. I walked all over the entire place looking for prayer warriors. I found twenty out of all the sweet gumballs, and I feel like God showed me a picture. That's the world, and you got Christians sprinkled all in it. But Christians aren't praying. We're not making a difference. We're not. We're not on our face before God. We have a casual prayer, but we're not earnest in our prayer. So as I was studying Thursday and Friday, I felt like the Lord would allow me to share this with you. So I called Dale. I said, I'm going to take some pictures. And I'm going to send them to you. there will be about five or so. And and I'm going to use them Sunday morning, if you don't mind, if you'll just get them loaded up. So I went down and I spent, I don't know, maybe close to an hour just praying. And then I thought, you know what? What a great challenge. I'm going to find all the green ones. And I'm going to bring them to church. And I'm going to put them on the altar. And I'm just going to ask them, how many of you want to be a green one? How many of you want to make a difference? How many of you want to be called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face? I'm going to find All the green ones, and I'll have enough for everybody. I searched. I even got all out into the woods so much, I got three ticks crawling on me, just out walking in the woods trying to find them. This was Friday. I found three. I found three. I said, what happened? Let me see the next picture. I found out what happened. From Sunday to Friday. They had lost their luster. They had been so disconnected from the root all week. They had been so disconnected from from the source of life. They spent an entire week so disconnected from the true light that they lost their color. In five days, they, they had no color left. There was three of them. God, help us. God, help us. I thank God that in Jesus Christ, we together as Christians, we have a freedom that nobody can take away. We ought to be proud of that freedom. We ought to be telling people about the freedom. Paul said in Romans eight thirty five, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? He could have written, or COVID-19, or mask, or any other thing, or social distancing. As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm so thankful as you are that I have a freedom that cannot be taken away. I'm thankful that I have a home in heaven it can never be removed. I'm very thankful that my name is written down in glory and nothing can erase it. But I'm concerned about our country. I'm concerned about the condition of the United States of America. I am concerned about the condition that I have seen our country fall from and into In a matter of weeks, but but can I tell you right here, we didn't fall here in a matter of weeks. This matter of weeks is a result of years of prayerlessness. It is a result of years of the silent church. It is a result of years of the non-praying Christian. It is a result of, of prayerlessness, and it is just now beginning to show is God has pulled back. Our our job as Christians is to be the light of the world. Jesus said a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said that we are to be the light of the world, but a a light is never brighter than in the darkest time of the night. But a light can't shine unless we're exposed to the S-O-N sun. See, even the moon, when you put the moon here, The earth here and the sun here, the moon has no light. The nighttime's dark. There's nothing to shine because there is no reflection. It has no access to the sun. It has no access to the source of the light. Therefore, it is dark. But if it moves just a little bit out of the shadow of the things of the world, out of the shadow of the things of this earth, it has full exposure to the sun. And just like we've seen this week, it is a full moon. And it gives a, a great, brilliant light in the darkness of the night. Twice this week, I was woken up, awakened in the middle of the night. The first time it did it this week, toward the latter part of the week, I thought, who is shining the light in my window? It had made it around. It was coming straight in the bedroom window on that side. And the last time I turned the lights on in the room. The more we are exposed to the light, the brighter we'll shine. If we want to shine in this dark time, we're going to have to expose ourselves to the light. Which means we're going to have to spend some time in the throne room of God. On our knees. In prayer. I went back this morning. I spent 30 or 40 minutes at the rock altar this morning praying and i looked around and i found two but one of the things that i noticed that the lord let me see this morning none of those brown sweet gumballs are ever going to return they've lost their luster they've lost their life they have no way to ever turn green again But that's not true with us all we have to do is expose ourselves to the light and the green returns. See, we're, we're not like that. All of those Christians that are representing that picture, every one of us has the ability to shine as a beacon in the dark. Every one of us has the ability to be renewed into the fullness like a full moon that shines the full glory of God, the full image of Christ, that we are a Beacon in a lost and dying world. And if we're going to see God turn anything around in here, it's going to boil down to if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It's going to involve some of us turning green again. We're going to have to be associated, exposed to the light. that The light might shine through us. So I am going to do something this morning there'll be three ways we're going to do it I'm going to ask all the faith Baptist Church and anybody else that might be tuned in to join in with us and we're going to pray for America but we're going to pray for ourselves as well God help me be a green one I'm tired of being a brown one I'm tired of feeling like I don't pray enough I'm tired of feeling like my exposure is not enough I'm I'm tired of feeling like I need, I need, I want a closer relationship. I I want to be like a beacon in the dark, not because there's anything good in me, but because of the light that comes from you and reflects off of me. I I want to spend more time in that light that I might glow in the dark. So there's three ways that we're going to pray. One, of course, those on live stream, I'm going to ask you to find a place wherever you are. Maybe gather your family around if you can and find a place. I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray. For this country. Pray for our president and our vice president. For wisdom and direction. Pray for our our doctors. Pray for a way to to remove the insanity. I understand protecting people. But it's insanity to let this bug continue to drive a nation. And I'm going to ask for those in here to pray in one or two ways. I'm tired of the altar being closed. If I can open Children's Church, I can open the altar. So here's what I'm going to do. We've got our mask on. And the protection of everybody, I love you and I do care. So I'm going to ask you to socially distance yourself. We're socially distant in here. We're doing everything we're supposed to do. We have every other pew. We're six foot apart. If you bring your family, I'd ask you to move six foot from another family. If you're an individual, I'd ask you to move a distance from the other people. There, there's not that many. It's a holiday. There, there's certainly enough room at this altar to accommodate all those who would want to come to the altar. But I can tell you this. Your prayer is heard just as much from heaven as it is from here. It's a position of the heart. So for those of you medically fragile, for those at higher risk, I'm going to ask you if you just stay in your seat where you are. You certainly can pray right where you are. If you want, you can even move toward the center of the pew because people may be coming up down the aisle, and that would establish our distance. But what I'm going to do is ask you if it's your desire to come to this altar, to get up from where you are, and come onto to this altar, and let's pray this morning for this country, that God would move in this land, but most of all, that God would move on us and make us a light a beacon to a lost and dying world. And for those of you who are at higher risk, I I sincerely want you to stay where you are. And I want you to pray where you are. I want you to pray that God would move on this land, that God would use us. When the light is exposed, the world has to make one of two choices. You draw to the light or you run from the light. I've used that within the past couple of weeks. You know, those who live in darkness, when they see the light coming, they run from the light. Maybe it's the law enforcement or somebody, so they run from the light. But those who are lost, remember, I don't even remember what day it was. I used the, the example of when I was in Colorado and saw the light at the bottom of the house. Those who are looking for shelter, looking for a safe place, they're drawn to the light. We pray that God would help us to be a light. That people would be drawn to what we have and want what we have. May they see the joy and the happiness that we have. We shouldn't be going around poor-mouthing during COVID-19. We ought to be letting people see we have a joy in spite of it. We have a joy on us that nothing can take away. People ought to see our joy and our happiness and want what we have, the security, a security during unsecure times, a certainty during uncertain times. I wonder if there's anybody even watching now on live stream. You don't have the freedom that I'm talking about. You can't wake up with the joy and pleasure and excitement every morning of knowing that Christ holds my life in his hand. Whatever happens, happens. Nothing can harm me. The worst thing you can do to me is take my life and put me in the presence of my Savior. That's the worst thing you think you can do. It's the best thing that could ever happen to me. I wonder if there's anybody that doesn't have that freedom, that kind of certainty. I wonder if I would have asked the question. If you died right now, do you know you'd go to heaven? What would your answer be? In America, more than 1,100,000 brave men and women have died to give you a freedom to sit there and make a choice wherever you are to, to sit and do whatever you're doing. But more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ paid a price to give you a freedom to have an eternal home in glory. To give you a place called heaven, a place where all your sins can be erased All of your past can be washed away. Jesus Christ is the only one that paid the price because he's the only one that can. The debt was so high, no amount of lives could do it. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the only one that could afford a payment that high. And he paid the price, but because he paid the price, he's offering it to you as a free gift. If you accept the gift of the price that he paid, you can be saved because of what Christ did. But it is the only way. He is the only one who could and the only one who did pay the price. He's the only one that can offer you this freedom. He's the only one that can offer you this life. So if you couldn't say if you died right now, you'd know you'd go to heaven. You can change all that this morning. You just have to confess your sins before God. We're all a sinner. Romans 3.23 tells us that we are. But the gift of God is eternal life. You're willing to confess your sins and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and save your soul? In Jesus' name, if you say a prayer and ask God that prayer to forgive you and and save your soul, you're just as much a child of God as anybody in this place because of what Christ did. Christians, I know none of us sitting in this building right now know the answer. But we know the one who does. We can't see the other end of this. But we can see the one who saw the end before there was a beginning. We we can see the one who saw the last day before the first day. We can see the one who saw eternity before time began. We have exposure to the light. We have exposure to the source. If. America's going to get any better. It boils down to you and I. It boils down to if my people, which are called by my name. There's a whole lot of Christians on the earth. There's a whole lot of Christians who are holding on to their fire insurance, but it doesn't mean enough to them to inconvenience themselves and come to the house of God. There's a whole lot of Christians that casual Christianity has become so real over the last couple years that now that it's not casual and convenient, they're missing in action. They're still sweet gum balls. They just don't have any green in them. There's no life exposed. There's no light left shining. I want to be one of the green ones. God never answered the question. I don't know how many it'll take. Is it one? Is it one like Abraham? Is it 50 that Abraham asked for? Is it 10? Those within Lot's house? Those within your house? I don't know. I don't know how many it takes to make a difference. All I know is I have a promise. And the promise says, If my people, which are called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves and pray and pray and pray, And pray and pray and pray and seek, seek my faith. Turn from their wicked ways. He promised, he said, he'd hear us from heaven. He'd forgive our sins, he would heal our land. Anybody want to see the land healed? Anybody want to see America be a beacon to a dark world? America's not the only one struggling right now. This ain't just a homeland problem, this is a world problem. I want to see America be a beacon in the dark. And it's got to start with somebody like me that's willing to get on their face before God and let the light shine through us. Amen? That we might be everything that God has called us to be. Ye are the light of the world. When Jesus was here, he said, I'm the light of the world. But when he left in his departing, he said, Ye are the light of the world. Let's be what God's called us to be. God, thank you so much. Thank you, God, even for the song that I hear there in the background. There's another in the fire. I thank you, God, that not once have I walked through a fire alone. Not once have I walked through a dark valley alone. Not once have I stood in the darkness of a trial alone. God, you're always the fourth one in the fire. You're always the one there holding us by the hand, making a difference, hedge your protection. Many times, though, we may not see it, God. God, even like the song Miracle Worker says, we may not see it, we may not feel it, but you're always there, always working miracles, always working things out on our behalf. God, I pray you'd forgive us where we failed you. God, I pray starting with me and throughout this nation, will you forgive your children for the sin of prayerlessness. And I pray, God, you'd restore life into us. Restore a light. I pray you'd help us, God, as we, as we pray earnestly and fervently. Your word says, Lord, that, that the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God, I pray you'd help us to have that effectual fervent prayer that you might availeth much on this earth in this country, God. That a multitude of souls might be saved. God, on the day when you step out, that millions more might go with us. Help us to tell them, God about the price that's been paid and the gift that's offered that people might see Christ in us we love you Lord we thank you we praise you thank you for being so good to us God I pray for this group of people sitting in this building right now I ask you to bless them God bless their homes their families put a hedge of protection around them and will you burn a light in them starting right now God that the whole world can see as we walk out today God and even Maybe go to places to eat or whatever we do. May people see the light and know there's just something different about us, God. Help us, Father, to let Christ reflect in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Fourth of July to you. Happy Freedom Day. Amen. We, we can celebrate freedom more ways than one. Yeah, I'm just going to let you go.